sitting over here. I'm waiting were. on you I was checking to, to let see me know when we're ready to get were. going. And now you're over here on your well, phone, fucking an, with the HelloFresh. Like, you didn't just recall. put my last name on your goddamn driver's license. Now you want to act like a fucking retard. I'm trying to beat my fucking husband. <laughs> you ass. I should have left you at the DMV. That might have been the strongest open in Mistakes for Made History. <laughs> Normally it's like a nice chill conversation, a little bit of water in the background. Oh, fuck you! Hello, fresh. I'm, I'm By the now. way, you if you guys want to be fighty, if you guys want to be like our sponsor, we'll take you. We'll we'll do little videos cooking your meals and such. Our openings are usually more wholesome than that. Exactly, you know, dear Hello Fresh, let us. Be sponsored by you. We'll teach you that there are ingredients in this world outside of salt and pepper. I know that you're probably mainly a, a white company, and the white people love their salt and pepper. But I grew up in San Antonio at a certain point in my life, and I, I like heavy spice. We're doing the chicken brush, bruschetta yeah. from HelloFresh yeah. tonight. But the Korean beef bowl is beautiful after you add the ingredients we put into it but they're like yeah. salt and pepper and it's like i don't think the koreans stop at salt and pepper well, i will <laughs> admit on their um pretty much any of their little bowl mills they have like a chicken rice bowl mill and then the korean beef yeah. bowl and there's another different type of people we tried from them but their sauces are very similar and I will admit we've tweaked them so they're more spice and less sweet because it's like mm -hmm. after a few goes, I was like, what if I added a little less sugar and a little more sriracha? <laughs> <laughs> so. Do it up. Never seen anybody go like super slow when you go to the hibachi, you know, like they don't, <laughs> they don't seem like they're measuring that out like liquor in a London bar. You know, here's my little measuring cup and that's exactly one shot of Jack Daniels. But tonight's chicken bruschetta, and I will say the recipe is pretty good the way it is. Fuck I yeah. don't think I've ever tweaked that one. I'm excited about it, so let's get into this so we can get on to that. Oh, uh, other updates before we get into the show. I should probably introduce the show. Does that sound probably. like a plan? Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the badass bitch, Kristen Bloom. And Finally. guess what, motherfucker? It's official. Finally official. Yeah. Had to take a break from my enjoyable day off of getting my ass kicked on a video game for about an hour, because that's about the amount of relaxation I do on any given day, um, to go over to the DMV. Had a pretty pleasant DMV experience. I was going to say, I feel like I made that minus my forgetting your one document relatively stress-free for you, though, because I scheduled it. Yeah. I got all the paperwork together minus the one I forgot, and all you had to do was show up. And they didn't so freak out. They worked with us. Yeah, I, was I like, tried. Can to I make screenshot it some shit from my account profile for my apartment complex to so prove that I'm paying the rent in this bitch? <laughs> you are, in fact, a Montanan. Oh, mm -hmm. we're officially Montanans now as well. Hell yeah. Missoulians. It only took us a year. My bad. Which means, you know, probably going to miss hunting season. But it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you could probably. I heard. Um, I heard. Heard. Heard uh, that. <laughs> I heard from someone that you can potentially get your fishing license after you've already got the ID, um, mm -hmm. even if you haven't been here for a year yet. 
So this you, might cost a little bit more. Yeah, so you might be able to maybe get some fishing in before the end of the year. That would be great. I just need to figure out the time. Like, I, I haven't been in Montana long enough to move as slow as Montana does. <laughs> People are like, yeah, I'm just spending the weekend at the lake. And it's like, how do you not have, like, 50 fucking things to do? Like, well, how do you how do you navigate your life? Well, those people don't run a production company. Yeah, they're not, a, not making so. films, writing novels, <laughs> and producing a bi-weekly podcast. <laughs> God damn it. I need to figure out the ways so I, I can just... two extra days of the week. I just need an hour on the lake. I need to figure out, instead of my one hour in the afternoon playing video games, I need to figure out how to wake up at like 5 o'clock in the morning, go over to the lake, and just watch the fucking sun come up while I'm fishing. Thank you guys just start sponsoring us and paying us money so I can quit my fucking day job. Yeah, you cunts. So I can go fucking, hang out on the lake. fucking assholes. Stop being selfish and let me hang out on the lake. <laughs> Hello, fresh. Damn it. <laughs> Come on, you bitches. Uh, seriously, though, if you want to give us money, you can send us an email and we'll figure out because I still haven't figured out the PayPal thing. Been fucking months. I have no idea where to start. You haven't even tried. Uh, but, but I, my approach to bureaucratic bullshit is it's never just look it. at it, go, that's ridiculous, and then never do it again. Yeah, I am convinced if I hadn't made the appointment for the DMV thing, you would have just never done it at all. I would have waited for my Tennessee license to expire. Yeah. I still haven't changed the address. We've been here for almost a year. The old apartment is still redirecting mail for us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I called the most important people, but I didn't call everybody. <laughs> so whenever I bought my car um shoot i don't remember where i was living i think it was like lebanon for a mm -hmm. little bit um i didn't live in lebanon very long but i was living there for a little bit and uh that was what i had to put on my like application for the car and like for where they're gonna send my tags yeah. when i eventually pay my car off i think i was on like a five-year payment plan and next year's when i'll pay my car off so it's been a good four years i have never changed that address <laughs> so my mail still goes to whatever yeah. that address was. Apparently, my insurance for my vehicle is still set up <laughs> with the state of Tennessee. Yeah, so. you have to correct that because if you get in a car accident, that's useless. Uh, insurance is cheaper here, though, because I didn't good. switch mine over, so that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking yeah. taxes are off the goddamn wall, and the Californians are overrunning what I have now deemed my city. <laughs> well, it's, it is yours now. I'm an out-of-stater. I'm officially no. an in-stater. Yeah. We're official. Goddamn right. Apply <laughs> for that master's program. Our life just got a shitload easier. But what is today? The fourth. A two-star Tuesday. Today is a two-two-two-star-star-star. Star, star, Two-two-tuesday-day-day. Day. Was that your only other update? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, outside of to say I have an idea in my head for the two-star Tuesday drop. I was going to work on it today, and then I forgot. You failed so, me. I know I did. But I've got, like, a little rhythm in my head, and I was like, I think I'm going to use that. It's different like, than the regular one, so we would have a different intro for two-star Tuesdays as opposed to just, like, like you're going to make a box. beat or you're going to say something? I don't know. I don't know yet, Kristen. Well, well, God, I'm sorry. God damn it. First, the fucking HelloFresh crazy goddamn opening like you're not even gonna pay attention to me and now, <laughs> now you're over here berating the voices i have in my head that tell um, me to make things do you want me to take those notes back away from you and see how this podcast goes yeah why don't we go get a big bottle of ky jelly you could take these notes shove them right up your ass <laughs> <laughs> but today we're here to talk about god knows what because it's not written in big letters at the top of the page i believe it's called head count and i believe it was 2018 on the top of the other fucking page. Okay, well, you folded it. these notes over. So 2018 it is? <laughs> yeah, that's oh, 
says on here. Oh my Christ, I'm so smart. <laughs> <laughs> so it is Headcount 2018. Where are we starting there? My love. Um, my darling. My everything. My beautiful. My effervescent. Kristen Blue. I love you. I love you. Um... Rated solid smart. <laughs> solid smart. <laughs> okay. Who's not solid smart Fuck now? <laughs> you thought that the license plate was a driver's license. <laughs> I didn't say Look driver's license. Said, I said ID. And then I was like, no, that's not what I meant. Tags. <laughs> Shut up. Fuck the government. You're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> so higher ratings than I maybe might have given this. Um, For sure, no matter what the rating is. 5.4 on IMDb. Yeah. The critics on Rotten Tomatoes, I disagree with the hardest, gave it a 67%. Yes. I, I disagree with the IMDb, but I disagree with the critics more. Uh, what was the audience on Rotten? 45%, which I still feel like might be too high. It, uh, yeah. We're, I'd, I'd shoot you somewhere between the 35 and 40. Yeah, Where are you throwing 40. this? Yeah. yeah. 40. Decent effort. So... This movie is so inconsequential that there's not even, <laughs> there's not even a Wikipedia page. <laughs> I, I looked up the um, uh, headcount Wikipedia in the thing. It brought up a completely different movie. Yeah. So, uh, what I have in front of me now is the IMDb because... Hell Again, yeah. That's how inconsequential this yeah. movie was. So uh, there was a major Comic-Con at home news. Keep up with all the biggest announcements and updates with IMDb's Breaking News Roundup at Comic-Con at home 2020. Ooh, they also have a, their own podcast, The Movies That Changed My Life. Holy shit. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> that the, the handy thing about having the IMDb is that they put their own little synopsis on here, so I'm going to read you that, motherfucker, and stop. And s- instead stop. of making up my own. <laughs> I hate you today. You're being, you're being difficult today. Uh, so this was directed by L. Callahan. Um, you said it was her debut film, right? I believe it was her debut film, and she was somewhere on the editorial team for one of the Avengers movies, but as we've clearly established, I, I like the Batman movies with Christian Bale. Um, I like the Hulk film with Edward Norton, and I like like the first two Iron Mans, but that's my experience with superhero <laughs> movies. I do like the Guardians of the Galaxy. Never that's seen good. it. Um, yeah, so written and directed by L. Callahan, which is a female. Her name is Elizabeth, I believe, and she changed it to go by L. Don't um, want to make a sexist comment about how big of a piece of shit this is, because most of the time it's men that run the piece of shit. I was going to say, there are well. a lot of men out there not doing a <laughs> job. Uh, there was a secondary writer, Michael Nader. Um, see what I mean? He didn't do a good job either. <laughs> um, I will admit, I did not look up really what any of these people had done other than L, um, just because I worked all day, and then we went to the DMV. And you didn't get your normal break in where you normally yeah, make the notes because you had to leave early. didn't even get a lunch break today. But we got some interesting notes. Yeah. Um, no, since we didn't have access to a Wikipedia page, no information on a production company or any of that today, unfortunately, no budget, because um, that's usually yeah. information we pull off the wiki. So I'm gonna let Brett butcher these names. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna do that. These are all pretty easy names. Uh, the first name is Isaac J. He plays Evan That's as right. Isaac W. J. 
So I guess that's a, a credit. He was credited as Isaac W.J. Mm-hmm. Um, he's our MC. I have, I have no facts on any of these people, so you do you. Um, <laughs> as insignificant as most of the characters are. Uh, our second character is Jay Lee. He plays Evan's friend number one. Jay Lee is the Asian kid who looks through the window at the very beginning of the movie and is never in the movie ever again. So I, I forgot have- about him, but they probably did that for L.A. inclusivity. We need an Asian guy. Well, I have no idea why that section of the movie matters at all, because whenever we saw those people getting out of his car, I was like, oh, those people are going to be the people he's with later. Like, he literally dropped off a group of people, I think, at the airport, maybe, and they were like, oh, thanks for the ride, and then he's just sitting staring ahead, and creepy, ominous music is playing, and we're very aware of the fact that he's pale-skinned and green-eyed. Was that... It in the first minute 30 yeah. where we paused and then, and then ate not. dinner and then came back to it and I yes. couldn't remember. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, that little movie or that little section of the movie, uh, that's Jay Lee, and I have no idea why that mattered at it, all. He's second in the credits, apparently very important, despite they didn't even give him a name. Uh, then you got Ashley Morgan. She plays Zoe, the love interest, who is not to be confused with the other black girl with the afro and the white shirt who I believe goes nameless for a vast majority of the film. And I was like, is that her? Is that racist? Are there two black girls? I have no idea what's going on here. There are um, a lot of people here, so I have Yeah, no I'm idea just going to cut through the people that were in here. Uh, we've got no notes. So we've got Bevan Brew plays Camille. That's the blonde chick that's the quirky one. I do remember her. Okay. AJ Heflet plays Evan's friend number two. Woo! Uh, Billy Mead plays Max. Hunter Peterson plays Nico. Catherine Tapling plays Evan's friend number four. Woo! <laughs> Big roll! Chelsea May plays Vanessa. Tori Freeth plays Tori. Michael Allen Herman plays Sam as Michael Herman. Uh, Amaka Obiechi plays Haley. Sam Mara plays Brian. Cooper Rowe plays Peyton, the brother. I don't know why he's so dumb. Down I know. The list. I would think that he would be listed second. Granted, to be fair, these other actors are in the movie for longer than him. But he's a more pinnacle character. Yeah. And uh, he's our, uh, we couldn't afford uh, Zac Efron character. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we decided. So your main characters here are going to be Evan, Zoe, and Peyton. The other group is the party group that they're in here with. And what do you mean by party group, you may be asking yourself? Kristen, would you like to give us a breakdown of the plot of this film? Uh, sure. So, <clears throat> the IMDb storyline. A group of teenagers unknowingly summon a paranormal presence during their weekend trip to the Joshua Tree Desert. This monster mimics their appearances to hide among them and seeks to separate them into groups of five to complete its deadly ritual. Yeah, which is basically all the people that we didn't identify um, are drinking and smoking weed in Joshua Tree. In a house. In a house they've rented, like an Airbnb type situation. And Joshua Tree, according to this film, is not as pretty as I always thought Joshua no, Tree was. I had always heard it was very pretty, and it's just a very plain desert with some mountains in the distance, according yeah. to this movie. So you guys, you know, don't move to Montana. Never, ever move to Montana. It's ugly it's, here, too. It's ugly. The people are ugly. Nobody can read. And uh, the mountains are forever just on the horizon. Uh, there's no jobs. And it does legitimately. It smells like manure. Manure. It does legitimately uh, I was, smell vaguely like manure. It, it always smells like manure. <laughs> manure. <laughs> manure. 
<laughs> it does, like, legit. You can like, still get scalped in the low, low pass. <laughs> don't come out here. We don't need you. We're, we're fine hanging on by an edge to, a, you know, a downturn economy and a better lifestyle. <laughs> it does legit, though. At the Walmart that we shop at, because it's near the water, and yeah. somebody told me, because I asked what that was, it had something to do with the river that's nearby. Yeah. It does legit occasionally, not every day, smell like manure when you're at the Walmart. Especially early in the morning. Yeah. And late in the day, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the river is carrying down, but... Uh, Homeless people. <laughs> that is possible. All right, so... Shall we get into it? <laughs> That'd be funny if the Clark Fork River just... It smells that way because of the amount of homeless suicides. All right, not, not funny. Terrible. All right, well, this is a film about suicide, so it was actually apropos. Um, yeah, let's get into this shit. There's, uh, did you know trivia? All trivia items for this title are spoilers. Uh, there was no trivia on here, unfortunately. There was only one bit of trivia, and it sucked. Can't remember what it was. Huh, whenever I checked it, it, it was said, about be the, the first to submit trivia, so apparently it sucks so bad somebody deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> they deleted it today, because I, I read it this morning. I checked it, it had like something, an hour ago. It had something to do where if you pay close attention, there's like five bottles of liquor on the table because we're looking for groups of five and there's a lot of groups of five. I was going to say there are groups of five throughout the entire thing. It's kind of a plot point, not really a trivia point, but apparently it got deleted today in between the time. Because yeah, when I checked it, it said, be the first to submit trivia. It was timely. (laughs) (laughs) It's a conspiracy. Um, So I think we can't avoid talking about this character mashup i feel like that's got to be our first talking point there are so many fucking people in this movie there are um literally to the point where you don't actually really individually get to know any of these characters outside of pretty much evan and zoe and vaguely peyton Mm -hmm. um they literally walk and move and talk almost like they're one character like there's so many scenes in this movie where they're just mumbling vague dialogue yeah. to each other that has nothing to do with the plot, and we're just kind of hanging in a scene, and I'm like, I can kind of hear what they're talking about, but also kind of not, and none of it matters. Mm-hmm. It is almost like the party itself is a character. Well, initially, I liked that, and I thought it was a smart move, and I think if they played it a little bit differently, that really could have worked, because I don't know what your history is with like drug types, um, but I... I'm literally a part of a Facebook group of friends that texts each other. We call ourselves the degenerates. I have been to coke houses that won't stop for four fucking days. You'll go over there. It'll be a whole new gang of people. Everybody's as strung out as they were the day before. And you're like, okay, well, I guess we're not going fishing today. (laughs) And you leave and you come back and the music's the same. But now there's 20 more pizza boxes and 30 more people. And it is like this insanity that happens when you're in a binge drug or drink uh, type of environment. However, I'm a saint and I don't imbibe in any of those things. Oh, I don't any longer. Uh, my days of drinking a marijuana use are long behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and maybe that's a good time to bring this up. They are just drinking and smoking pot. They you know, mention they make doing it out. mushrooms, but nobody actually does that. Yeah. They toss the bag aside. But they're doing like mostly natural sedative type drugs like at no point are they doing amphetamines you know 
this film would have worked a lot better if that was a meth house instead of a pot and beer house, you know. The occasional shot of tequila is going to have everybody passing out on the floor. You're not waking up at... Yeah, you're not waking up at 8 o'clock the next morning with your makeup still on after four days of drinking. (laughs) Or are you? Or are you? Um, But... The issue that they had, I mean, it helps, I guess, to an effect because it helps with the confusion of who's where, like that cool scene where the guy's either playing beer pong or he's playing the Never Have I Ever game, you know? Like, it works there because I don't know who the fuck that dude is. I wasn't paying attention to where he was sitting. We were just kind of lost in this party. So that worked. And that's the only redeeming quality for me about how many characters are in this movie. And I feel like, honestly, that's why there are so many characters in this movie, which isn't a good reason to have that many characters. Yeah. Like, if you can't make each individual character interesting, then you need to eliminate that character. Or make half of them interesting and leave yeah. a couple of them cardboard that yeah. you can move around in the background for, you know, what is obviously what she was trying to do mm-hmm. with this film. Um, and create, you know, this redirection that we'll get into later because that was my favorite part of it. Um, God damn it, I've lost my... Um Um, if you would have built half of them up or even if you would have made our main characters out of anything but cardboard you know then you could move around all these other people like babysitters in a slasher film and i'm not gonna give too much of a shit yeah and we vaguely get it with her friend camille but literally all of the rest of the characters are just nobodies basically was camille the the blonde quirky one that like invites tequila shots for the fucking every every 10 minutes in this movie She's the one that had, like, the little, like, French braids yeah. and, like, told Camille she should talk to Evan in the first place. But um, she was, like, the party chick. They were all kind of party people. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but she's the only one that, like, we ever kind of get a sense that she's got a bit of personality for herself. And yeah. It is very effectively done almost every single time that... Your tiny tablecloth. Um... That we don't really realize until after it's already happened Mm -hmm. that the character we just saw wasn't really a character that was sitting in that spot. There's like one or two scenes, I think, where it's a little too blatant, like the dude that's in the kitchen still just eating and she's very like, obviously like, are you still stuffing your face? Come on, let's go. Like that one was like, oh, well, that's not him, obviously. And then... Zoe sitting outside with her injured leg to me was very obvious that wasn't Zoe either. So there's like a couple of instances where it's less subtle, but for the most part, it is pretty effectively hidden throughout the movie that... Do you think that they drew it in that close, that specifically for the members of the audience who weren't paying attention? Or do you think they did it for like a level of pacing? Because it was so effective in a couple of scenes that we'll get to later. Um, that the vagueness kind of it it made you feel high like it made you feel drunk like you'd been a part of that group it was very effective with like the feeling that it gave you of I don't know who any of these fucking people are let's party you know (laughs) and like I I did think for the never have I ever seen like I knew that was coming because like we kept kind of pausing where you could see the door in the back where they were playing um, beer beer pong or whatever they were playing and the camera kept drifting amongst the circle, like, very slowly back mm-hmm. and forth. So you never really saw 
each character as they were talking. It was like sometimes you were watching other characters' reactions, sometimes yeah. you were watching characters as they were talking, and it was kind of this dizzying, I'm sitting amongst the circle effect, and I knew... Like you're the drunk person who can't be a part of the action, yeah. just watching the And I knew we by. were coming to a moment where one of these characters wasn't going to be real. I didn't know which one, so it was still like super effectively done, and when the light pops off and like suddenly the dude's gone, mm-hmm. or we see the dude in the background, the light pops off, and then everybody's in the dark. Like That was a really cool little sequence, so it's done really well um several times to be honest but i just i don't i don't know like i I feel like characters are such an essential part of a story that it's a waste to have so many wasteful characters um and i i think this movie would have been a lot cooler if we'd had just a little more connection with a few of these people and then we could something still... that at least served as an anchor for the story yeah. you know and then we could if we still... had evan and peyton and zoe fully fleshed out and we don't you know. find out until way later in the movie that she's dated mark or max or whoever, whoever. <laughs> um was it the asshole that she dated yeah yeah so we don't find that out until way later in the movie and it's almost like a throwaway thing and it's like we could have added a lot of tension there with yeah. that like we could have built that up and he's already dating someone else so what does he care you know mm-hmm. um like the way they laid this out it was like inconsequential to the story whether or not they had dated so like i wish we had like built some of that stuff up and had a couple of more like fleshed out characters i do really appreciate for most of the movie, the monster is literally just the actors. Yeah, the one time that it pisses me off is probably the one time that it pisses everybody else off, where it's like, oh no, it's a fly! Yeah, this giant bug. Yeah, but for most of it, you don't know who, is it the Hiss-G, or the Hiss-G, or how they... Hiss-G. hiss um, You don't know who it's inhabited in any given scene, so like, there's this unsettling feel of the chaos could happen at any moment, you don't know if like who the person is confiding in is yeah. actually the person or even if the speaker is the actual person it really fucks with the narrative and i like that when they initially introduce the monster like it's almost like a ring-esque like it's a mm-hmm. blonde girl with her hair covering her face and like the description at the beginning of the movie is that it's pale skin and got green eyes, so I thought that was the route we were going, and it's a vengeful spirit, like this is a lover yeah. who's been scorned, and it inhabits this body, and so we're going to see Some this... Some random dumb, Irish ghost. Yeah, we're going to see this random, dumb, blonde chick with hair yeah. in her face, like, throughout the whole rest of the movie, so, like, initially I was like, oh, God, mm-hmm. this is going to suck. And then whenever we... Like, it became obvious that it was actually all the other people at the party... Because it kept taking their forms. I was like, oh, fuck, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> so I, I like that they kind of misdirect you for a second into thinking it's going to be this, like, blonde chick with hair all in yeah. her face. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no, it's us. Yeah, that felt like a bit of a trope where they're like, oh, this is where you want us to go? Fuck you. Here, mm-hmm. no, we're bringing you something different. Yeah. And I can respect that. So. But so much of it, do you think, and I, I kind of redirect, I don't know which way we're going to go. we got a lot of really interesting topics to talk about, and I'm going to add one just for the sake of it. <laughs> um, how much of this do you think should have been a short film? Do you think that it would have been more effective to just be like one night at the party and everything goes to hell and you tell this over 30 minutes? Because we do wind up with these long, slow burns where it's like, Mm -hmm. we're not going anywhere. And then there's no payoff because everybody gets killed off screen, which we'll talk about later. Like you could have created this really cool tension inside of like a 30 minute zone. Yeah, I definitely think as is. 
it should have probably been condensed down to a short film. I think if we had taken the time to flesh out a lot of these little baby concepts yeah. that are happening inside of the story, it could have still effectively been a feature-length it film. It could have been a longer film if yeah. we would have fleshed it out. Like, we... Um, which I guess we can get into, like, building the world, because that's kind of relevant to this. Um, we kind of get a throwaway line where Peyton mentions he's tracked down his brother because he's concerned about him, and he's kind of overbearing and overprotective because their parents are dead. Yeah. And Peyton has raised his brother. And it's such a, like, passing line. Like, we don't get any sense ever that this is a kid who is feeling lost or misdirected or whatever because he doesn't have parents. It like, seems like he's going out to his degenerate brother at the beginning. And it's like, oh, he's just a pothead living out in the yeah. desert. And you find out that the brother's clean and sober just doing yoga in the yeah. desert. You know? And, like, I don't understand... So he definitely at least knows the pot people on the fucking Joshua tree. Mm. Like, I don't understand why instead of having... Um, Evan dropping off friends at the beginning of the movie where we weren't taking the time to flesh out maybe you know because Peyton raised Evan Evan's now feeling abandoned that Peyton's just living in a trailer in the desert and that was Evan's father figure so he's yeah. you know kind of struggling or whatever like we could have fleshed out the two of their relationship with each other so that the ending would have had a bigger impact we could have kind of you could have wound up with like this father son dynamic and so he's like fuck you dad slash brother i'm gonna go hang out with these hippies in this drug house yeah yeah instead of his brother being like go get laid it's chill and then we just have all these moments that drag like we should have fleshed out his relationship with his brother and the tension there and evan's clear like lost feelings like evan's character was very much for me a Kristen stewart and twilight character like how so? He, he, like, rarely had any real big emotions. He was kind of just drifting around, yeah. staring at things, Can I doing... Can spider monkey? Yeah, like, not really <laughs> doing anything. Like, his, his character was just so neutral emotionally that it was like, I'm having the hardest fucking time investing here. Like, there was a cute little, like, awkward introduction between him and Zoe where their chemistry was uncomfortably bad but almost like an acute like oh they're just awkward yeah they're, way. they're both the awkward kid yeah and we could have like fleshed out like evan feeling kind of lost and trying to find his place and thinking he's found this girl and then we should have told the story yeah of the monster way more in depth it, it could have been a part of the ghost story I mean, it technically was a part of the ghost story because he says the name five times, yeah. which brings up the ghosts. But like that didn't feel like his place to bring up that ghost story because he just read it on Reddit and now mm-hmm. it's real. But if these people are so into their creepy pastas, mm-hmm. which are awesome, and it's where you know Slender Man and all that comes from, if they're up to date in the creepy pastas and they're staying in that location, they would know that ghost story. Yeah. And like, it, even, it, like three ones in, they would have been like, dude, don't fucking say that two more times. This one's real. <laughs> yeah, and even if um, <clears throat> it was a story none of them had heard yet, and the person who posted the story clearly purposely posted the name five times to trick you into saying yeah. it. Um, if they had accidentally stumbled across the story and he had read this dumb poem and then weird shit started happening one of the other group members should have like brought it up we should have like gone into some subreddits and like found this darker more sinister story and like all we get is the cliche 
him Googling something one time and then... Finding the murder report. Yeah, yeah, of one single instance. And, like, there's a cool little, like, glitchy computer moment. But other than that, like, we don't know... Which what I this... still want to do to our website. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, we don't know what this monster is, why it acts this way, like, any of the motivations whatsoever. And, like, if we had fleshed all of this stuff out, it could have been a really kick-ass feature-length yeah. film. Like, I, I just, I don't understand why we wasted so much time just partying. Yeah, at all. Like, let them party, but build the story through. I mean, I've been drunk with my friends at crazy parties. I've done heavy drugs, like, fucking 15 fucking years ago. I'm not the person I am today. I I, I don't do heavy drugs. I do drugs uh, very much on occasion. It's not like, <laughs> you know every night type thing. But, um, like you say things to your friends when you're like 35 beers in and you've yeah. done pills together that you would never say to your friends sober, you know? <laughs> like, I've been there. I've been the guy, it's the sun's coming up, we're all too fucking cranked out to go to bed. You know, I'm not that dude anymore, thank God. I learned my lessons early. Join the Air Force, they clean me up. <laughs> you say things to your friends. And they could, they had the opportunity to have the camera in the room to be like, yeah, my parents fucking died when I was a kid. And he has like an emotional yeah. moment with Zoe as opposed to what I really didn't like about their relationship in this film is we build up this sexual tension between the two of them in the hot tub and then cut forward to waking up in the bed and the next day. And it's always with, like, a creepy sound effect where it's, like, yeah. just being startled away. Like, you've both been drugged, and then you fucked, and then you woke up. Yeah, like, we're supposed to, to be upset that they're in the bed together. There's no, like, real connection there. Like, <laughs> adding a sex scene right after the hot tub, and I'm not always a proponent for a sex scene, would have done a lot to solidify these characters. And I, I feel like adding to that having heart to hearts with any of the characters would have added to mm -hmm. it like one character says i made you a bracelet and gives it to him and he's like oh thanks and there's no further connection beyond that and granted these are strangers that he's only spent the high yeah yeah and he's only spent the weekend with them he doesn't know any of them but why <coughs> did we not show any warmth or any tension or anything being built yeah. between these people like he could have connected with one of the other dudes and then even amongst drug addicts there's an understanding of like an inner goodness yeah. you know if you think somebody's a shithead because you partied with him and he was an asshole you don't bring that dude around the second night there's always some level of intimacy yeah. within a group or even if we were adding tension so he's banging dude's ex-girlfriend like we never yeah. actually get we got there what fucking hour 15 into the thing and it's a, again a passing comment it's not really addressed like and we we never get any sense of he's either a part of the group or not a part of the group he's always just kind of hovering there and i can't ever really tell if they want him around or not yeah so it's just, and I, like, I agree with you. I think, honestly, if this had been, I mean, that might be a bit of extreme story shift, but if this had been a meth house instead of they're just sitting around doing weed, you could have had a more compelling, like, we're seeing these hallucinations. Yeah. Are they hallucinations? Is I it that story you read? I think maybe the first party sequence, as you put it, they're just, quote, unquote, doing weed. Um, <laughs> But, like, maybe later smoking on to the, the night. Reefer. Yeah, smoking the reefer, the goddamn devil lettuce. The um, 
even an interesting turn would have been he's high as a kite, he's fading in and out, he's, you know, I don't know what you guys do when you smoke pot, I tend to write a shitload of random information, then I wake up the next morning and, you know, wipe nine-tenths of it off my wall. Um, but it would have been an interesting move that, like, as he's fading out from, like, this disconnected level of two stoned on pot, and then somebody brings out a crack pipe, you know, and they start hitting the heavier drugs. So he falls asleep on his beer and pot diet and then wakes up and everybody's cranked out of their goddamn brains. But now he's sucked into the momentum of the drug, mm -hmm. you know, to where maybe he gets fucked up the next night and tries the meth. And that drives this. It feels like a meth movie that's afraid of meth. What if we're workshopping this movie as we're doing No, we need to. I'm drinking, by what the What if, yeah. because we established at the beginning of the movie that Zoe is quote-unquote the ninth will, she's like, everybody's with everybody, and I'm just the ninth will. What if Zoe's the one who introduces the drugs, and because we use Zoe as the kind of form of the history for him, turns out Zoe's actually the history all along. I thought that's what happened, <laughs> so that makes sense. No. <laughs> she plays the game again later, and the girl cuts her wrists, so I legitimately thought she was the history. No, it just took her body, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. The history's just a spirit. I was very drunk by the like time this thing bug. was over, so I'm a little confused. I'm so, confused why they say it has pale skin when it's a giant green bug, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Can't be like, it's a black guy with green eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, that does actually, I mean, I guess it it makes sense that they would give it some kind of form um, of some kind. It's bizarre that they, again, say it's pale skin with green eyes whenever it turns out it's just a giant bug. But that does actually bring up an interesting point of... How inclusive or exclusive are we being when they describe this monster as being pale with green eyes and it consistently takes Zoe's form? Yeah. Who is a black actress. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why did you describe this monster that way when you, in real form, have it as a bug? It could and have then... just been, it could be one of your friends who fucking knows. Yeah, you. like, I, it's it's bizarre to me to give it specific physical characteristics and abandon so much, them. It puts so much weight on Evan and Peyton. You know, as being the intruders, but the system itself that they're going into is a toxic system. They're not going into like a fucking schoolyard atmosphere and contaminating innocent minds. This isn't a bunch of Mormons hanging out in Joshua Tree drinking water and talking about God that they sneak in meth to. This is basically a drug house that never stops fucking moving. They bring in an innocent kid. And he's supposed to be the bad guy? Outside of... I don't know if it's on the notes. I'm sorry if I'm jumping. Um, yet again, in a Two Star Tuesday, we treat mental health like bullshit. You know, we've got the history whose job is to draw you into suicide. But we don't care enough about any of these people. We don't have enough facts mm -hmm. about any of these people to where it feels like they're being driven to suicide as much as when the fucking thumb goes down and she just sticks a knife down her fucking wrist and it, she tries to kill herself right there in the room. You could have isolated her inside of this drug environment and driven her to the point of suicide. It's easy to do in a meth house. You know, yeah. nobody's in their right mind. You isolate one person in the moment of drunken fucking hallucination and they kill themselves in the bathroom. They're obviously depressed. They're on a three. They're in Joshua Tree for three days. They're fucking. And I would have 
preferred instead of her like dropping a finger and instantly killing one, I would have preferred this monster basically driving them mad. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they had been seeing hallucinations of this monster and hallucinations of their friends and just hallucinations of these terrifying things. Like even if we had seen a noose just hanging there, like there was a noose just hanging in this movie. Like if we keep seeing all these like, hang on, let me finish. If we keep seeing all these things that are supposed to be temptations and then they eventually just do it themselves Mm -hmm. because they've been driven to that point that's more compelling than like boom you're gone well that's what i'm that that that, that's what i mean what in i believe it was uh the nightmare on elm street the remake not the original nightmare on elm street uh there's a scene where um i don't know if it's billy in the diner kills himself no oh the diner as well but um mainly strung out because he hasn't slept that wasn't billy but yes i did that guy um but also the jail cell scene where he hangs himself in front of his celly and it's Freddy Krueger making him act out a suicide. Yeah. I would have bought that. You or know. the dude in the diner who slits his yeah, own throat. That's, that was a better example. I should have gone with that one. But yeah, he's stressed out. He's, he's suicidal, bags under, bags, bags under his eyes. Everybody else just sees him kill himself. But the context isn't there until mm-hmm. later in the film. And then it's like this complex web of people that believe what the kids are saying and what to the outside world just appears to be a death. But she drops her finger. This bitch pulls a razor blade I didn't know she had, you know, well, out I of her pocket. fucking with it in the car in passing, like whenever they were Oh, that's right. It's a little pocket knife, Yeah, right? when like they were Swiss leaving Army knife. to go to the second hike or whatever like she's just in passing kind of fucking with it and that's it yeah yeah but the the drive to if you're gonna fuck with mental illness if you're going to fuck with suicide get in there don't use it as your gimmick you know like people don't do that you know They're not I, like, well, this moment sucks. Boom, you I, know. Like, I, I guess you do, but there's a build there. Like, it's not just, oh, she put her finger down. Fuck me. I guess I'm bleeding out. And it didn't have even, her go, like, have a flashback to being raped, and then go upstairs into the bathroom and do it in a moment of fucking impulsive. And it didn't even look like in the moment when she did it, like she had actually cut anything. It literally looked like she had taken just like a pen or something and swiped it across her yeah. arm. Like it didn't even look like she was pressing in or anything. And, like, I think for me, that's one of, ultimately, when this movie has cool moments, its biggest problem is it doesn't know when to show the thing that should be shown and when to kind of pull back and let you imagine it yourself. Like, we get this cliche, um, so the history, for whatever reason, likes the number five. Um, (laughs) Never developed the monster. No. Never established rules. We'll get... We'll get there. So we get this cliche moment where the parties split for a second. There are five people at the house, five people going to this hike scene. Um, And Evan realizes, oh, fuck, there are five people at the house. She likes the number five. They're going to die. I have to drive back. Yeah. Evan gets back to the house with Camille, and we... Don't see any of those five characters. Those five characters are presumably already dead. Bodies are completely gone. But we see this cliche series of stuff in different rooms of, like, the most stereotypical cliche ways to kill yourself. There's a noose hanging in a closet, a toaster in a bathtub, 
Um, that's, I guess, not quite as cliche, but the garbage disposal is turned on, mm -hmm. and for some reason there's a knife in it. Um, that doesn't make any sense, but it's just mm -hmm. like... And then there's uh, exposed wiring. So there's, like, all these, like, really gimmicky, like... Oh, these are ways We've people that kill before. themselves, yeah. and all five of these people are missing. So I Who guess maybe that's... up after the fact? Yeah, but it's like, I guess maybe that's how they did it. <laughs> like, it's, like, so cheesy. It's like, like... And Zoe, his love interest, is in that first group of people that have now vanished, and Zoe's acting, like, physical body is still in the movie, because... The actress is now playing the history, um, but we don't see the person that we've wasted time with Evan investing in die. We don't see him mourn her death. Like, Chloe walks up to Zoe, and Evan's reaction isn't, oh god, Zoe's dead. Evan's reaction is, Camille, get away from her. <laughs> so it's like, man, like, I know he only banged her, like, three nights in a row, but come on, dude, like, feel something. Yeah, that's I'm like, I, what a waste for her to be basically our secondary main character, and we don't even see her death. We don't see anything. Yeah. Like, there's no chance for the audience to grieve well, the death of the It's the bastard of the whole MC. ending, even. Like, we come up, and right as everything's about to happen, we walk out of the front door. And the door closes, and you hear screams, and you never figure out what the fuck happened. And I guess maybe that's maybe they didn't have the budget to shoot more impressive scenes, but work your way around yeah. the budget. Like we have kind of a cool moment where one kid's wrapping um, Saran wrap around his face to suffocate himself, and other kids like drinking out of a bleach bottle. I like the Clorox from the shrooms guy, where mm. he's just passing by like he's just drinking out of a growler. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, there's like kind of this cool little moment where like. Evan's, like, trying to stop them, and he's screaming, like, what are you doing? Stop. Don't do that. Oh, my God. Why would you do that? And, like, we get brief snippets of, like, their attempts to do it, and then we just go outside the house, and we're just listening to Evan freak out before he runs outside covered in blood, and we have no idea what from. Was because... he resuscitating somebody? Did he murder all of them? Yeah. And it's just, like, I... Like, the girl who slits her wrist is the only death that we see. She didn't die on screen. Well, no. I mean, she, I guess, technically they... bled out off screen. But we see her slit her wrists on screen, and that's the only one. And she's literally one of the least consequential characters in the whole movie. Like, I, I don't know that she had any big moments of any kind in the entire movie other than when Zoe falls off the rock, she's staring down at Zoe. That's, <laughs> that's what she does. She stares down at Zoe. So Probably her, friend number four. I have no fucking idea. So for her to be the character who we see the moment on screen for is absurd. Yeah. You, you, Hamlet does not die off screen, and I hate Shakespeare, but he got that right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like moments like that. They're just like weak decisions. And like the fact that, um, I guess Evan maybe burns himself alive, but... Maybe, yeah. because they're smoking pot the entire time. And if you guys want to know where to find your pothead friends, check the bottom of their lighters, because that's what they use. Well, she gives them the lighter. Yeah, but the, the lighter is supposed to have the significance, you know, <laughs> of, like, 
he would never be separated from it. But he's smoking pot in a house full of people who are passing pipes and shit around, and that's what you use to mash out the embers so you don't hand your friend a charred bowl. Well, we don't you really. <laughs> and it's, it, that's all that lighter looked like to me. Why is the bottom charred? We did he light himself on fire, or did he just smoke a lot of weed last well, we night really and then rub overly, it off on his jeans? We don't really overly imply that Evan's the party character We kind of imply he's partying because he's hanging out with these partiers. Yeah. But, I like, literally, of the party group. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Evan and Zoe are the only two characters we actually spend time investing in, and to me, what a disservice to your basic two main characters. To kill them separately off-screen, neither of them have any reaction to the other one dying. I guess technically... The history in Zoe's form kills Evan or whatever, but like there's no tension, there's no mourning, there's no anger, there's no nothing. And we've wasted this time building a connection between them that ends up being meaningless. Yeah, the whole thing ends up being meaningless at the fucking end. That, that's... You want to talk about these last couple of strong points? Because I feel like we're shitting on it. And that kind of goes against the... It's not a great the, movie. I, it's I, not great. I it, tried uh, to find nice things to say. I did. Well, thank you, Ellie. Or, El, what was her El. name? L. Um, this is the one, just before we get into the only really positive things we have to say. The only um, good mark I have is oh, the only is the first and bold well, choices. I said it's an interesting concept, okay. which is your go-to for... Well, pretty film. <laughs> uh, this is a movie where Brett and I disagree. I don't think it's a pretty movie, and he did. I think it's atrociously shot. Really? Yeah. I I thought I had one problem with a uh, the cool shot effect, <laughs> where they did it too slow. Like it, it it felt experimental, which I guess I can appreciate. But there was like this dizzying. I quit fucking doing that. You're dragging out a two second shot into a fifteen second shot. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I'm not going to say there were never, ever any cool moments or there were never any cool shots. Uh, pretty shots, no. I, I don't think any of this movie was pretty <laughs> to me. And it's a bit harsh. Um, to me, this movie felt like someone just walking around following people with a camcorder. Um, it didn't feel planned. It didn't feel purposeful. Like, it felt very much... The, and maybe I'm looking at it from the writing perspective. I'm not at all... I'm sorry I keep interrupting you, um, but like to me it was it, it was a party. So it has to be shot very chaotic, and so they pulled in and pulled out at sometimes consequential, most of the time inconsequential moments. See, and to me it didn't feel chaotic. It felt lazy. It felt like literally these characters are walking away, so the cameraman's walking behind them. We're sitting in a circle, so we're just panning back and forth, and like it just. It didn't feel like focused, intentional shots to me. Like, it felt like we put the camera here. Because that's where the story was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Can you expound on that? I, like, I, I feel like... And my, my films are very amateur films, so I'm not by any means... No, you're a professional. You're, <laughs> you run a production company, and you're the most beautiful woman I've ever met, both inside and outside. I love you. And you make the best films of all time. And I can't wait until you guys get to see the new film, Brainstorm. <laughs> I was going to call it Happy Birthday. We released that one months ago. Go watch it. Um, Nightmare Box, stop love. 
But yeah, my, my, my films are very amateur films, so I'm not by any means saying, like, I have it figured out, but the more that we do and then the more of these type of movies that we watch, the more I realize, like, when it feels like there was a focus behind this moment and this moment just kind of happened to the audience. So whenever huh. we did The Dolls, um, I was still in college. I think I was a junior in college whenever we yeah. did The Dolls. Um, I don't think I had ever really... No, had... it was your senior project. I think maybe, yeah, maybe it was my first semester senior project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, Ziggy was my second semester senior project. Yeah. But I don't think I had ever really realized before I went to school how intentional so much of visual art is like it's not just the acting or just the writing or just the scenery we picked or just the clothing we put on it's the color that they choose the lighting that they choose the angle that they choose like there's so much like film theory for so many different things like literally every oh, step has to mean something yeah and it's like literally oh if you place the camera lower down you make your character look physically more powerful and domineering and if you place the camera higher up you make your character seem weaker and like we're towering over them as an audience and it's just such subtle things like that that you don't know consciously unless you're paying attention to it that that's making you feel that way and like what's well, my go-to uh, sequence. I don't want to cut you off, but I think I know kind of where we're going. Keep cutting I'm, I'm, go I'm ahead. teasing. I'm go sorry. ahead. No, you're good. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm drinking and I've had a stressful day. And I feel like this is our dynamic as I'm manic constantly. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's the go-to that we always talk about because I've only got five references. But the gas station scene in No Country, I mm -hmm. believe, might be the most beautiful scene in the past ten years. Like, to me, that from beginning to end, the coin toss, both in the novel and in the Coen Brothers film, is one of the best established scenes ever. Because mm -hmm. it creates this power dynamic between death and a character you don't know, and it sucks you in so hard on a writing level and on a screen level that... You, you get nervous for the gas station attendant, and then he goes, now nah, you can go on. All and right. if you... <laughs> I was just fucking with you. Pay attention to No Country, or that scene in particular in No Country, if I'm remembering right. Um, I think it's initially shot in kind of more mid-shots or wide shots, and then mm -hmm. as the conversation kind of picks up, both of them switch to close-ups, and then we back back down to, I think, mid-shots, and it literally feels like... A duel that's happening like whenever yeah. at one point you get the candy wrapper expanding on the table yeah like but whenever we cut to a close-up of sugar we also cut to a close-up of the other character and it's like the two of these people are you know figuratively in a power struggle like we're seeing a visual like them trying to play each other pace for pace and then you know him trying to keep up with sugar's intentions in the conversation and i mean it's visually shot in a way where you feel like you are kind of in a battle even though nothing's happening and um shoot mindhunter yeah the tv show mindhunter yeah. um dealing with that temper yeah there's a Kemper's lot of like seven foot tall and the smart guy is like five foot five there's a lot of or scenes... when he meets Manson and Manson sits himself on the chair to be taller than yeah, him. and there's a lot of scenes in that where 
all they're doing is just sitting in two chairs opposite each other talking, but they've found a way through the color and the shots and the pacing to successfully make it feel like we're in a dangerous situation and like this is life or death and there's a battle going on under this conversation. Yeah. So like to me, this movie like fells in a lot of ways at creating any tension, even though they're literally in a battle for their mm. lives. Like if you put a camera in a certain spot or you light a scene a certain way or you pick a certain color for you know, your your clothing, your lighting, or any of that stuff. It's supposed to be intentional on every level. Yeah. And, like, I haven't personally mastered that. Like, I have shot some very lazy shots, and there are some lazy shots in this movie we're about to release, I'll admit, because mm -hmm. I didn't quite know what I wanted to do with them, and that's a... And I can't act for shit. <laughs> and that's a, a learning process that you probably never really stop learning. So, I mean, I don't want to dog too hard yeah. on this because as if, king says none of us are masters of this art form yeah and like i don't want to dog too hard on this because you know this is a, like we said i believe her first feature-length film um but to be at that level where you're shooting artwork that you're putting out on that public of a platform and you're selling it to your consumers like have more respect for your own work yeah. than to shoot shots that don't mean something on every angle yeah give us three million dollars to make a movie i'll break your fucking mind <laughs> like i we're making films on you know i i think we, I'm, the highest i've ever filed my taxes is thirty two thousand dollars well i mean like we lose, average at like twenty five thousand dollars we know? lose money on our films like nobody pays us to make these movies and like Every movie that we make, as I grow as an artist, I'm I'm trying to be like, what's the intention behind the scene? And um, I got sidetracked a second ago, but as I was saying, as I was saying a moment ago, I I don't think until we had done the dolls that I had ever really thought about movies in that way because um, our DP for the dolls, Destiny, who is incredible, and brought so much and to a that beautiful project. poetic name for our relationship. <laughs> faith and destiny mm -hmm. um but yeah i i i just wanted to shoot a movie that i thought turned out cool i guess basically because yeah. i was still learning and i was like i just want it to be neat and i want people to like it and i wrote the madman diaries my sophomore year in college it sucks it's terrible i i, I like what my cousin did God bless you, Jack Oliver. You're, if you're looking for cover design, he's your go-to guy. I agreed with him at the time, and I stand by it, that they just needed to run into each other in this chaotic short storm. But I don't know. I, I, there's things that I would tweak in the writing style. Um, and as I get older, I can respect that thing that I wrote. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but... Like it was on, a stepping stone. It was a learning thing. It, above all else, the Madman Diaries was, I'm here and this is what I'm doing. <laughs> like it's on like my, an EP. But like on my end, because you interrupted okay, me I'm again. I'm sorry, I've been meaning <laughs> to. I'm having uh, a conversation with you. I'm drinking. <laughs> on my end, um, when we pitched the dolls, Destiny asked me if she could shoot it. I didn't ask her. And... Um, she sent me a proposal 
for being a college project that was exceptionally professional. Um, it was literally a list of shots that she liked that she liked the color and she liked the angles yeah. and she liked the um, kind of feeling that they evoked and one of the things that they mention and the critique of the dolls on that podcast that we were talking about the other day is the talkies. Yeah. Um, the negative space in the garage in the opening sequence and destiny sent me a picture from a different film. I can't remember offhand what it was that was shot very similarly. Like the character was weirdly very far down in the corner and like there was a lot of negative space in the movie and like, you know, scenes like that have like an intention of making you feel uncomfortable. Like, why is the character so small in the scene? Is why is there so much open space? Why are they so off-centered? Like, it's it's meant to when mm-hmm. you see it visually, kind of feel uncomfortable. And like, the shot in the dolls was shot that way on purpose. So like, I like even if not everybody agrees with that choice, like it was a purposeful choice. It wasn't just like, oh, we just want there to be enough headspace so when Paul stands up we're good like we wanted the scene to look a little weird and uncomfortable so like I just I don't know like I I feel like I guess that's why I disagree I don't think that this movie is a very effectively shot movie because it just feels like the camera is kind of just there to be there you know like which it should never be yeah but and you should never just write a character to write a character from the writer's standpoint like you can't I get having ten people that are cardboard, but I don't get not establishing, you know, two or three of them at the very least so that we have, like, our narrative dynamic, even if you want to fuck with the narrative by plying him with liquor, you know? (laughs) I I, I I would understand it. But you don't establish anybody, I don't give a shit about anybody, then you kill them all off screen. I feel like you just made me watch an advertisement for your camera, you know, as opposed to actually making a film. And I almost would have preferred that Zoe had died when she jumped off the cliff, because that was that such would a have cool been the shot. Move, because it would have given them such, end. like, a lust relationship, yeah. and then she would have just been out, it would have made him the other, and then by bringing in the brother, you would have established the five-on-five dynamic. yeah. Because, I mean, that was after they had only slept together once, and then, yeah, for her to, like, die so suddenly, and then, yeah, that, like you said, the brother could show up, and we could kind of reset that balance again while he's grieving that, like... And it would have... Yeah. This is his brother slash dad. (laughs) Yeah, and that was, like, such a cool shot, because it felt... Like, we were just wasting screen time. Like, these people were just sitting around on a rock, just chatting, 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 and... You're so caught up by what's happening in the foreground that you don't really see Zoe jumping off the cliff until she's jumped off the cliff. And I thought that was the most professional move. Yeah. That that slip off where, you know, you're not even looking at her. You're looking at the, you know, screen left. Evan in the foreground. Yeah. Yeah. Evan's the person who's in the foreground. And, like, I would have preferred Zoe had died in that scene. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Evan would have been there, and that would have been an impactful moment. And... All we get is Zoe somehow broke nothing from that big of a drop. Yep. Fractured her ankle. Yeah. (laughs) What was up with all the shooting, too? Like, we never established anything. The shooting? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That would have been the other move that I would have loved to have been addressed, is that they're being hunted in fucking Joshua Tree. That would have been gangster as shit. 
like if Zoe was out there to attract people to that spot to yeah. hand them over like to I'm people that were hunting them down curious, in the desert. Were they out there filming that day and someone really was just out there shooting so they had to add it in? Like what the hell was that? <laughs> like it was pointless. But uh, can we talk about we've got bold choices um, overlined over here. Um, which you've gone into in, on one, which is look over here while Zoe jumps, which uh, that was a fantastic fucking scene. But my single, hands down, favorite scene of this entire film, and it, it adds to the awkwardness that is the dynamic between um, Zoe and Evan, uh, is in the hot tub. Zoe moves her foot. It sounds like a fart. They both laugh it off. That was the truest moment in this entire thing. If you're awkwardly hanging out with a girl, I've, I've done it more than any girl has ever done it in my awkward encounters. You know, uh, I tend to make the fart noise against the floor. It, it, I, I'm an anxious person. I move around a lot, and I can see myself. You know, hey, no, like there. Did you see any bubbles? No, it sounded like a fart, but I really didn't just shit myself here in the hot tub. You know, <laughs> that was a very cute moment in that in that mm -hmm. scene. And I, I like, loved the fart joke. I like too that she's the one that kisses him instead of the other way around because we establish that she's too nervous to approach him, and the fact that she is bold enough to make that first move. Yeah. Like, well, that's what, feels like it should matter more than it ends up mattering. That's what upset me why that, that, that wasn't immediately followed by some sort of a sex scene or even an insinuation by, of a What's sex. that in the bushes? Exactly. You know, give that a moment to breathe. Let them have that lust moment, then kill off that character. Let her go. You know? <laughs> Let him have this cute, you know, like Robin Williams and, you know, Goodwill Hunting fart joke moment. You know, and then tip her off the side of the camera when the audience isn't paying attention to her, just like her friends never paid attention to her because, as she said, she's the ninth wheel. You know, give her that beauty and then just let her slip off screen like psycho. You know, kill her in the bathroom. Fucking keep the crowd guessing. Don't hold on to that. And my final. Both good and bad. My my final takeaway for this movie. Um, Kristen's final takeaway. Yeah. Because um, you brought it up earlier, talking about a movie that doesn't really appreciate mental illness, I guess. Um, the concept of the history is basically that it's a vengeful spirit that eventually forces you to commit suicide. So all of these characters, in essence, against their will, kill themselves. Um, and one of the final scenes before we kind of get the morning after moment is Evan calling his brother who never answers his phone because he's out enjoying life. And this is, like we've said, kind of his father figure in this yeah. movie. Um, who is technically supposed to be hanging out with this yeah. entire weekend. So, how impactful is a moment when your brother, who basically had to be your parent, I guess maybe the burden of having to be the father figure when you're also a child, because Peyton doesn't really look like he's that much older than Evan, yeah. 
cracks under the pressure and goes and lives in a trailer in the desert because he just wants he spent his whole life raising his brother and he wants a moment for himself to kind of just live his life and that's his outgoing message on his um, phone I'm not answering my phone because I'm out enjoying life maybe I'll call you back basically and so if we had built up this relationship of Peyton was basically Evan's father Evan's emotionally torn from the fact that he lost his parents emotionally torn from the fact that his brother is basically his parent um his father slash brother has now kind of abandoned him to go live in the desert and he doesn't understand his brother's hippie lifestyle and then he goes and hangs out with these partiers because he's feeling angry and resentful towards his brother and we kind of build back up this relationship of maybe they're starting to understand each other in the final moment where the two of these characters actually talk to each other before Evan dies is Evan basically leaving a voicemail suicide note because Mm -hmm. Evan's about to kill himself like realistically yeah he's sitting there in the dark afraid that the history is going to kill him but what the history is going to do is make him kill himself so in essence this voicemail is a suicide note that he's leaving for his father brother um and the fact that we didn't take the time and care to develop how serious that is like this wasn't just i'm afraid i'm calling my brother i'm about to die this is i'm afraid i'm calling my brother i'm about to kill myself and yeah. we didn't take time to live in how serious that moment is, is the most detrimental thing to this film. Like, it's poetically such a beautiful, serious, heartfelt moment. Yeah. And he doesn't leave a message that's, like, super serious or super heartfelt, but, you know, he's also afraid, so I'll forgive the fact that the message maybe isn't you know a message he sat down for an hour writing pen to paper but it's it's a i love you i'm sorry if i don't see you again goodbye basically and well that that means a lot to me you know uh, on a personal level um i didn't really know the kid uh so i don't want that to be established like i was some sort of voice of reason in his life um But me and my stepbrother, Matt, were both 17 when he killed himself, and he basically left a suicide note and email, and my stepmother had to find him in bed that day. Mm-hmm. And I've known like a handful of people who have killed themselves and Christ knows I've been there and if you're there I uh, I feel for you but if you've been there or you've known somebody even kind of that's gone through that type of shit it's insulting that they would pass that off as a gimmick well I don't I don't think it was meant to be a gimmick and that's where that's why I do have it in my positives like it's a heavy moment and I I think there was some sense of that it was a heavy moment because he calls his brother he gets the outgoing message I'm not picking up the phone because I'm enjoying life he hangs up he calls his brother again because he realizes he wants to leave a message behind for his brother even if his brother doesn't answer and he leaves him a voicemail just say it's not your fault yeah and I think to some extent the people that made this movie realized how heavy that moment was I, I think they wasted 
the seriousness of that moment by not developing this relationship more, by not developing, like, Evan's character more, not developing the relationships at the party more, and then the fact that we have a morning after moment at all where the history is now in Evan's body is absurd. Like, we should have left on this moment and had the closing shot be that shed burning. Yeah. Just like, let him have his suicide. Yeah, like I like we should have spent enough time with these characters so that that moment mattered so much more than it ended up mattering. And I I think to some extent they realized what they had there in that moment and just didn't quite grasp it. So it's almost a beautiful scene but also quite a tragedy mm. that they didn't appreciate the weight of that i think that there's a lot of confusion right now and i'm really afraid that we're gonna lose this wave um when it comes to mental health and film um i don't know maybe the coronavirus will fix it maybe we'll look more inward um I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to get weird on you. I've had a few. But, oh, boy. Um, like don't I was get driving, mad at me. No, I'm not mad. I, I was driving in a truck the other day with a co-worker, right? And they're like, they have mental health. That's the phrase that gets used very frequently. They have mental health. Like in a bad way? No, it's just the... The, the wordage, the phraseology, if you will. Instead of saying that they have mental health issues or they suffer from mental health issues, a lot of people use the phraseology of they have mental health. That makes it sound like they're doing well. <laughs> yeah, they don't have mental health. You have mental health and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I suffer from bipolar 1. I've had numerous breakdowns that have been scary for myself and my friends and god bless my friends for being there for me and my family once they understood what was going on i i, I don't have mental health i have mental unhealth you wouldn't say you've got strong knees you know <laughs> if you needed knee surgery but you wouldn't write them off for having knee surgery as some other in your fucking society I, 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 I find it every time we watch one of these that tries to bridge the gap where the understanding is almost there so I'm not upset with the way that they're in, the way that they're interpreting it but I, I don't like that we blame it on some supernatural entity because it's the same reason why people like me and people like my brother who is a homosexual would have wound up in an asylum at one point or another. I should be banging my head against a pillowed wall because that was what bedlam was. It's a term for the mentally ill. It, it, he's gone bedlam. Bedlam was a mental asylum <laughs> in England. 
I don't know, crazy rights matter. <laughs> but if you're going to do it, if you're going to talk about suicide, talk about suicide. Quit blaming it on some fucking thing that is outside of every single one of us that occasionally wakes up and says, I ain't fucking worth it today. You know, like, imagine that that was every single morning. Because that's what I live with, and I I don't have quote-unquote mental health. I have mental unhealth. I mm. have flu of the brain, you know? <laughs> I don't necessarily mind... I mean, I don't think everybody should do it that way. I don't necessarily mind films that represent, like, different issues, whether it's grief or trauma or specific mental or abortion health issues. Or abortion or, yeah. Yeah, I, I like don't... we did Happy Birthday. Watch that. It's about child loss. Well, but what I'm saying though is I don't I don't necessarily mind that some films choose to represent that and to the people in the moment it feeling like a monster because I know personally from dealing with depression that sometimes it can feel like you're not the one that's in control and yeah, you've it feels had, like something else is there yeah and you've had um, breakdowns too where it felt like reality wasn't really reality yeah. so I was feeding a homeless person I was convinced was living in yeah. my closet <laughs> so I I haven't watched it in a few years and they destroyed the ending um, from what I remember I hated the ending but like the Babadook for instance mm. is a movie that is about trauma and for a huge chunk of the movie um, it, it, it is represented in the form of this monster that's inside the house and in the end, the monster's a little too literal, but like, I, I don't mind that some filmmakers try to represent it that way, or writers try to represent it that way, because... No, you need to, because yeah. sometimes you need a god and a heaven to represent life after death. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it does legit, like, sometimes when you're in those really dark moments, feel like there is something happening to you, instead mm. of something happening in you. Um, That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. So, I, I, ju I just wish it wasn't at the tail end written off as like, oh, the monster gotcha, you know, like, I, I wish... Show the suicide. Yeah. Like Give said, me I, reason for the suicide. I wish we had had that same phone call, and then this movie had just ended with him... That would have been it. ...burning the house down, or burning the shed down, or whatever, because she gives him the lighter, and then if we just end with him flicking the lighter on and then a wide shot pulling out of the house burning like that was really all we needed you know mm -hmm. like it, like don't be afraid to live the reality of those moments you know you need to it's the problem with every war film you know like kind of on the reverse end where it's like we need in a movie about Pearl Harbor a love interest no, you don't. You don't. That, that, that's a side point. You're getting away from what you're trying to do. I think we're just now starting to understand mental illness in film. I think we've understood it in writing for a really long time, but nobody reads anymore and everybody's watching things because we're all on quarantine. So... My hope is that people do like a deeper dive in the future and that's what I aim to do with the Nightmare Box for every script that I write for our company. Um, 
is to not look away, you know. Uh, the dolls would have been about child rape and trauma and child rape. And, yeah, it has its flaws. I'll one day remake the original script and it'll be a lot more right on the fucking nose. It made college kids uncomfortable. I did my job. <laughs> kids get raped. They have to go to a therapist. Here's this one kid's story. The therapy was not the monster. And I feel like when you make films like this, it makes reaching out the bad guy. Mm. This is a heavy way to end this episode. <laughs> Stop fucking around and just do it right. You want to touch my head? Why would I want to touch your head? I don't know. You got one or two choices to pick to pick to shop. Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us. You can find us over at Instagram. God damn it. That was a wild fucking sad ending. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> that was a good episode, right? Yeah. Was that a good one? It's terrible. It was terrible. Um, you can find ever. us over at... <laughs> Over at our website. Oh, the plugs are at the You can find us on our website at... The Nightmare Box blog. Uh, and over there you can see some behind-the-scenes pictures. You'll be able to see the new film uh, in the next week or so. Um, you'll see some stories. Eventually you can buy my book, The Madman Diaries, which you can find on Amazon, eBay, Barnes & Noble. The website's not the store. I don't know how to do that. Or you can send us an email at... Nightmareboxproductions at gmail. Um, and if you send us $10, somehow we'll send you the book. Any... Alright. You got Instagram at... <laughs> at Nightmareboxproductions. Or Twitter. At Nightmareboxpro. What's the next one? Facebook.com slash Productions. Please send us a message if you guys want us to dive into any particular film, as long as it's on Netflix and we can get it for free. Or um, if you want to mail it to me, I'll watch it. Yeah, if you want to mail us a DVD, we'll figure it out. We'll have to set up a P.O. box for all that shit to go down at. Is <laughs> um, that that? YouTube.com slash Productions Or slash Kristen Pennington, where you can go see all of her earlier works from college. And she's got some really interesting studies over there. So I would, I, I would ask that you do that. I'm sorry that we ended on such a sad note. Um, let me, can you give us a pep talk there, Kristen Pennington? I don't have I... a pep talk. I've been up since 5 a.m. Get some fucking sleep, guys. Um, if you guys are feeling one sort of way, um, because I know we got a little heavy there at the end, and there are a lot of people dealing with mental health issues, um, if you're in a dark place, or you or your friends are in a dark place, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255, um, Write us an email or give those guys a call. Um, it's going to be all right, right? Right. Okay. I love you, Spit. I love you. And I love you guys.
And we will talk to you on Saturday. Probably. With a hilarious episode, which we've yet to conjecture, but it's going to be awesome. I was about to say we haven't recorded anything. I know, but I know it's going to be awesome. It's going <laughs> to be fun. It's going to be Saturday. It's going to be about head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. Oh, <laughs> my Christ, my mental health, mental health. <laughs> I'm going to get off here. I'm going to put on my uh, six-set limited edition David Bowie in the 70s live during the blackout in London. It's going to be awesome. All right. I love you, babe. I love you. I love you, babe.